Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here. I have Mr. Gregory Birch in the house. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Austin. Thank you so much for, for having me on, man. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure. Um, man, it's great. Uh, great to catch up with you right beforehand. But I think uh, the most important thing to get this kicked off here is kind of uh, telling the audience uh, your story and where you want to start it. And we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> I am a, uh, I'm a previous army veteran. I served in the military, served in the military for 11 years. Um, I was, I was an ROTC graduate. So went to college out of high school, got an ROTC scholarship. And then when I graduated, the the deal for them paying my school was I was like, yep, I'm going to go serve when, and, and be with uncle Sam. And, uh, I did that for 11 years. Um, and, and then I, when I got out, I, I got into insurance and became an insurance broker. Um, you know, when I was in the military, before I got, before, when I was in college, before I graduated and got military, I got married and had my first child. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do when you're a kid, I guess. And, uh, I've got four kids, you know, we had, we had four kids together and the, the military is very difficult on, on marriages. We ended up getting a divorce towards the end of my uh, time in the military, uh, got a divorce separated. And then, um, you know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of PTSD from some of the experiences and really from, from the divorce because of how it happened and, um, I, that I carried with me for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I got out, I, I wanted to make a, make a name for myself. So I was like, you know, I, I had, I had a great time in the military, learned a lot, got some, got some fantastic training. It's very unique, you know? And, um, decided I'm going to take my, my shot at being an entrepreneur and, and sales because I, I tested really high in sales and leadership when I was coming out with, uh, with a bunch of headhunter companies that, that help junior military officers to connect them with fortune 500 companies. Cause if they, the skills are transferable, but the way that the military, you know, I guess discusses or talks about, you know, what their, what their skills are and how they are, uh, with the, with the evals and stuff like that. It's, it doesn't really translate very well to fortune 500 companies in the civilian world. So they, they have these headhunter companies that help to basically translate all of your, your awards, your, your evals as a military officer and translate it so that they can understand it. And, it, and they do testing and stuff like that to see, Hey, this is your strength. This is where you should try to try to land. And I always tested very high in sales and leadership. So that's, I, I that's kind of, kind of fell into a sales leadership role, got into insurance and, um, you know, being an entrepreneur sucks, man, at times when you first start, it's real hard, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, I don't know. I don't know what I can say here, but it's a straight kick in the nuts every morning when you it's, wake it's, up. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy between chasing ultimate freedom, but having none in the beginning. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 um, I, you know, I was telling somebody this morning, like, uh, I just had, I just have a lot going on right now. Plus we're leaving for Costa Rica tomorrow. And so like Saturday I worked for like six hours 
And everybody's like, oh my God, like you work, like you're the guy that says you don't work on the weekends. And I was like, yeah, I know I get it, but it's entrepreneurship. And I just had to get this stuff out of my brain and get it off my list. And, and that was the only day available, right? Absolutely. Um, but, but also let's not lie that it felt pretty damn good when I got it all done. So it's like, you know, that kind of, it's just like this reward slash, as you said, kicking the nuts all in yeah. the same, all in the same <laughs> sentence. Which you, which you get used to. Like, I, I remember when I first started, you know, I was, I would wake up with my butthole puckered every morning. Just like, how am I going to make money today? You know, cause it's, it's eat what you kill. Well, and, and I, I actually think what's interesting, and, and this is for another project on another day, but I yeah. want to write a book or start a podcast solely based on uh, being in a relationship with an entrepreneur. Like how, how, how great are the men and women that are married to these entrepreneurs? Yeah. Um, Because it's, Hey, we have no money. Hey, we have tons of money. Hey, I'm fucking going to go do an Uber. I'm going to go be an Uber driver. Oh my God. I'm I'm the fucking smartest person in the planet. Yeah. 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 Like all the, all the extra stuff you got to do just to grind it out. I was like, Oh man, like we're going to be free. I own my own business. And then it's like, man, I'm working 80 hours a week. Just we're eating ramen noodles, but (laughs) you know, um, and I, I, when I first started insurance, man, I was, I was depressed. I was, and it was, it was this roller coaster of like high highs and low lows and the highs got higher the lows got lower and it got to a point where um i i'm gonna be i'm gonna gonna keep it real bro i'm I'm a pretty transparent person um i i i had uh an episode with the with the next girlfriend time um where i uh was gonna kill myself i was gonna commit suicide and i was super highly depressed man i was just in a really dark place. I mean, she didn't help at all the situation at all either, but, um, you know, that I, I had this man, I had this breakthrough moment where she, cause she called the cops. I had a gun and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was just ready to end it. And cops come and, um, they, they like surrounded my house. There was like so many people. It was like, it was like 30 cop cars on my street and they're with bullhorns. They're like, come out with their hands up. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. Like I've never been in trouble ever. And, um, I called a friend and they were like, Hey, did you do anything yet? And I was like, no. And they're like, Hey, there's nothing wrong. Just put the weapon down, unload it, like go out there and go talk to them. So I went out there and I talked to them and, and, man, I was just like in tears and I was like breaking down and, they, and this, this cop was just super kind to me. And he was like, Hey man, he's like, you're a veteran. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, dude, like, do you go see the VA? Do you go get help? And I was like, no. And he was like, you need to, he was like, you, you're, you're holding on to some shit, man. Like you need, you need to, to, to talk this out. And so, um, they took me to an ammunition facility and, and I didn't, I never actually got checked in. I just sat there for like 24 hours in this waiting room you know, until they finally like released me. My sister, uh, drove in to, to the town. Cause I, I live in outside Dallas and, and I'm from Clarksville where my family's from. So she, she drove over my little sister came and she got me. And, um, I started, I just got into the counseling and I got into treatment and, and it started changing my life. And, and it, and it helped me, allowed me the, the opportunity to focus on what was important and not, and not ride those high highs and those low lows and just stay even keel. And then when I did that, I started to find more success and I started to, um, be more consistent in the business and not, not get too excited. Cause what happens, this is what happens to entrepreneurs. This is why you have those, this is why you have those, those times when you're like, 
you're like, Hey, we got money. It's like, Oh, we're broke. It's because you have that success and you allow that success to get to your head. And then you're like, you, it's almost like you take off the gas mm-hmm. and, and then, and then when you take off the gas enough, what happens is that the money goes away. And then you're like, shit, I got to go back and, and get a, you got to put your the foot on the gas again. And you got to, you know, accelerate again. And it's this constant, like, it, it's, it's like being in a traffic jam. We're like, Whoa, stop, Whoa, stop. And, and it's constant. And, it, and it's really terrible way to live. You have to stay constant. You have to stay steady. And so I stopped getting excited about massive sales. I stopped getting excited when I had bank money in my bank account. I always operated like I haven't made it yet. I haven't made it yet. I haven't made it yet. And it just made my, it made me more consistent. And so, um, I, I, um, got introduced to through the business from somebody I met, got introduced to Andy Frisella, who I knew nothing about. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know anything about the real AF podcast and start listening to it. And they were like, Hey, let's do this 75 hard. I was like, what the hell is this thing? So I listened to it and I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Why not? I'm like, okay. Like I like working out. I was, I was, you know, big in shape and I don't mind getting on a diet. That doesn't bother me. And I don't mind not drinking. I've been deployed twice and I went a whole year without drinking. So what? So, um, I did it. And the first time I did it, I failed. I got like day, day 24 or something and I, and I fell out. And, and when I, when I sat there and looked at it, I was like, this is, this is in, in September, 2020 is when I started it the first time failed out like in October. And I was like, eh, I get it. Like I get the point of this program. Yeah. I, I understand it. Like no big deal. I didn't get it. Not at all. And so, um, that the, the person that introduced me was actually at the time she was my girlfriend a different girlfriend. I mean, obviously I have a bad, a bad uh, woman picker. So, 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 uh, her and I break up and we had some bad breakup and, and I was really kind of, dep- I was a little depressed. I was a little down, but I was like focused on work, you know, I was focused on work and, and, in 2021, the beginning of the year, I was listening as a like February, basically it was a year ago, almost to the day, uh, of today. It was like the, right after things, uh, right after Valentine's day. Um, I was listening to the podcast where Andy talks to, uh, Omar and Omar was like, talking about his experience study of hard. And there was something he said in it that he's talking about the, the changes in his life and his business and everything. And he was like, you know, at the end of 75 days, I was a different human being. And like, if you, you have to go through the whole program, if you think that you've understood it, you don't. And I was like, he's like, he's talking to me. <laughs> so I literally, the next day I started 75 hard and I was like, I'm, I'm going to complete it this time. It's happening. And so I, and I did. And it completely changed my business. It completely changed my life. Um, you know, being being on that discipline schedule like took away a lot of my PTSD, my depression, my anxiety. Um, you know, I was I was seeing a therapist every couple of weeks, like every two weeks. I was on medication. I'm no longer on medication. Um, I don't have to seek therapy as much anymore. Like I, I, haven't, I haven't been in a therapy session for like three months um, because, and it was it was because my life was so there was so much turmoil. There was so much like up in the air that was causing all these little, this little bit of anxiety to just get to a point where it would be like your, your cup overflows and then you just crash. And, uh, yeah, so then I made a lot of changes. I ended up getting, making some big waves in, in my insurance and insurance still, uh, made some big waves and started a podcast and, and, uh, got, got connected with another company where I became partner of and, um, still own my own agency, my own separate company. And so, yeah, man, that's, that's a little bit about me where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. And so much there. I, I think something that I really 
harping on lately is just the utter, the utter complexity that, that most people put in their life. And I almost, no, I know almost, I know it is a, a tactic of self-sabotage on purpose because the thing that I am high on right now is that it's actually, it's actually harder to win and continually to win than it is to just live in your toxicity and mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And I think people are actually scared of their own greatness. And so they inherently put complexity in their way because, you know, my favorite question that everybody asks me is like, what, what program should I do to like lose weight? And I'm like, um, it's called shoes and a socks and two feet. Just start fucking walking. Like, <laughs> you know, but, we, but it's gotta be this thing. It's gotta be this new workout here, this new workout facility and all this shit. And I just don't care. Rain, sun, like, and there's such a, beauty to life when you can find joy in you know not letting the external forces dictate how you operate it it really is like okay it's cold today okay great i'm gonna bundle up let's go to work Mm -hmm. yeah you you know you're absolutely right i agree thousand percent it's i think people are afraid of their own greatness and like they're more afraid and not so much of they'll fail but they're afraid of like what they'll do when they succeed like what's the next step and and then also everyone's looking for a cheat code. I think that's it. It's like, well, what 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 should I do? Like they're looking for someone to come in and give them this magical solution where they're just like, as like the the clouds will part and the heavens will come up alive and the light will shine down. They'll be like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. It it, it it's just action. Just take action. And so uh, I, I I see this all the time in entrepreneurs. They're like, well, especially with agents that that I that I coach and I mentor. They're like, well, what, what leads should I buy? What, what product do I use? What do I do that? How, what, what's training? Which one, which training do you do? Do all of it. Just decide and commit, just commit to something. It's not hard, you know? Um, and usually I'll just ask them like, well, which one do you want to do? Well, I kind of want to do this. Start there. (laughs) Dude, dude, my, I came up with it. Uh, Every answer that you seek is on the opposite side of action. And, and, and what's interesting is I, I have a, you know, I have clients who are overthinkers and they'll give me, you know, a seven page dissertation about this property. And I'm just like, go buy it. I know, but what about, nope, that's not what I said. Go buy it. Well, I know, but what, nope, go buy it. No. And so um, I just read this book um, called Blitzscaling reed hoffman and this other guy who talks about like an uber or facebook or whatever and they're basically saying like in order to get ahead in the technology age where we are is to take massive almost reckless action Mm -hmm. to beat out your competition to position yourself in a place where you can then take an assessment of what's working and what's not working and then regroup and then do it again and like i realized that like when I started a podcast, it wasn't like how many episodes I'm going to do. I'm going to record nine a day for 11 months straight, almost like three days a week. Mm-hmm. And I just did like 190 episodes and I learned more about myself and my guests and everything. And then, okay, now let's talk about who's my actual audience. Are we doing the right marketing for this on and on? And so boom, the coaching business, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be everywhere. Talk to everybody. Wait, wait, wait. After a year, who's my ideal client? What time do I really want to be doing? And so I realized that I'm subconsciously or unconsciously doing that on purpose. And it served me really well. 
It, it, and you're absolutely right. It does. It's, I, I did the same thing when I started my podcast. I almost, you, you ever seen the movie Yes Man? Uh, Jim yeah, Carrey? I did once, a long time ago. I love that movie. And so I was literally watching that movie the, the, when it, my first completion of 75 Hard, when I was actually like in my mindset. I watched, I just watched Yes Man. And I had this epiphany. I was like, it's, it's because of the positivity that comes from taking on challenges and just committing to things. And, and like, that's kind of like the underlying theme and the, the understanding of the movie, like, because he said yes, to all these things, like it kind of, it's like his, his life kind of comes into alignment and they all kind of blend together to, to, for him to become this better person. And, and I, I, st- I looked at that and I was like, dude, I, I'm going to start doing that. So I just started saying yes to everything. And one day someone was like, why don't you start a podcast? I had no idea how to start a podcast. I didn't know how to like record. Like if you look at my first podcast, I was terrible. I didn't know how to talk on it. I didn't have a microphone. You know, I didn't have a good camera. I didn't have my setup was terrible. And I was like, I was usually like using my iPhone, put on a prop. And I was just like transferring everything over. And like, I had multiple cuts and edits because I kept messing up. I didn't know what to say, but I just did it. And over time I got better and I got better and I got better. And then I started bringing people on, I started interviewing people and I did the same thing as you. I was just like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just committed to it without actually thinking through everything. And I just started doing it. And what happens is that as it's almost like, you know, how like Ed talks about uh, your RAS now that I'm doing it, my RAS is tuned to, this is something that's important to me. So now I'm picking up things all around the world, all like, because it's just, that's important to me now. So I'm like, I'm like, wow, um, I actually can use this on the podcast or, oh, wow, let me go and use this camera or let me get this new microphone or, oh, you know what? Here's a really good, there's a really good topic to yeah. do. And my yes. more things are hitting me because I'm just doing it. I just did the action yeah. because it's important to me now. And that's, that's a perfect example of that. You know, like you just started doing it. Well, You're like, I'm just going to, I don't know how many I'm doing dude, it. <laughs> I don't know how many I'm, but what's interesting is the number one question I was just talking to my girlfriend about this session. Number one question I get is like, how do you stay in your routine and how do you do business on the road? Cause you travel so much. Cause like we're living in an RV now, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to, I have meetings in Costa Rica on Wednesday when we'll be there. Like, and then podcast, you know, like, I didn't take it on the road, as I call it, right? I didn't take it, the routine, the habits that I have, I didn't take it on the road until it was road ready. Yeah. I didn't take the podcast gear on the road till I figured out what I How needed for the road. Like, yeah. but, but I got really good at doing it here. And that's why the habit base that I have can operate away from that because I did enough reps in, in a closed environment. It's like when I got sober, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to venture to guess that the second day you were sober was probably not the best day to go to a bar, but now three years in, I can make you your drink for you and don't give a shit because I'm still a master bartender, but it didn't happen on day one, but everybody's wanting you and I success in the podcast realm on day one. Yeah. And you're not going to actually, when actually reps are the only thing that you need. Yeah. And that's, and that's like, and the other thing on top of reps is that you got to, don't look at the metrics every day. Don't you can't. It's like it's oh, like going to the gym. I didn't, listen, I, I didn't look for a year and 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 uh, year and seven months on purpose because I knew myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I looked, it was by accident. So yeah, you just and and if you'd have looked like if you'd have looked like month oh, one, it'd, been, it'd, it'd been like one view. And you were like, that was me. <laughs> That's, that was my view. And and uh, 
You know, I was I, I actually commented on a post yesterday. Um, I don't know if you know him, who Ryan Stuman, hard at Hardcore Closer. Um, he talked about when he started his podcast, which was just an internet radio talk show at the time, what they're called. And so he's like, you know, for I did it for years and I wasn't getting any views. No one cared. No one gave a shit. Now I've been doing it for five, six, seven years or whatever, and I'm getting, you know, a one and a half million downloads a month it's because of the consistent action. Like I didn't start there. And that's the same way with me. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. Because like, I, I'm just now coming up to my one year of doing podcasting. And really in, in August is when my, the pocket, my, my current podcast I've, this is the ADV one podcast. It started in really in August. So haven't even hit my year yet. And I'm like, wow, that, like that makes me feel a lot better. Cause I don't really look at the, I don't really look at the metrics. I don't think about it, but every once in a while I'll get an email like, Oh, you had 5,000 downloads this week. And I'm like, mm, okay. Like, all right. Like, I don't know what that means in terms of scale. Like I have no idea. I don't know. what's good. <laughs> but then he's like, Oh man, I got 1.5 million a month. I'm like, Ooh, 5,000 a week. That's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's, well, yeah. There's, 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 there's a couple of things there. One is that and I said this this morning to a, a coaching client is that your volume that you're putting out or the volume that you're receiving in to you and your world might seem really big until you stack it up against somebody else's. And you're like, well, I'm not, you know, I need to do more. I need to be more. But what I think is very interesting. I listened to this podcast this morning and he was talking about like what we're actually seeking. And, and I can relate this to investing in your first property. You're not seeking the mechanisms of business. That's tried and true. Like it's out there. Yeah. What you haven't experienced yet that's freaking you the fuck out is that you haven't had the feeling of it being in the moment that many times. Mm. And when they, that, when you like making money, getting downloads, like when I got my first thousand, it was like, okay, that's great. Now, you know, now that we're way over this, I'm like, okay, great. Well, like, how do I expand it to even more people that don't know me? That number's great. And I'm impacting people. And yes, 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 yes. That's all the, uh, but then, it, it just becomes something bigger when you, when you, when, when you're, when you kind of been there and done that. And I, and that's why I think, um, you know, I could shut down everything else I'm doing and spend my entire life studying salespeople because I think it's one of the, I think of every space that's been out there. Mm -hmm. I think that it's changed more in the last 15 years than ever. And I was just talking to my sales mentor yesterday. We had lunch with him and, Houston, he taught me everything I knew about sales in the beginning. It used to be a running gun, push you down your throat. I'm going to get something over on you. And now everybody has the data and everybody knows what that pushy thing is. And it's become more of, I'm not selling you anything. It's an opportunity for you and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And so as you look at your businesses and insurance and sales and, and kind of the area that you're in, you know, do you see that most people are, um, growing within that or are they still fighting the old way that it used to be done and, and not seeing the success there so they that's actually that's a, i love this question i'm actually trying to change the entire insurance industry right now and that's that's my goal is i want to change it because it's still stuck in that old model mm -hmm. of pushing things down people's construction throat. same thing yeah. construction can't stand it yeah yeah just doing the same exact thing over and over again and also it, it, it's not just it's not just with the sales but it's also with the recruiting of new salespeople. it's yes. how it's how they do both of those so when they're the, when they sail um I'm, perfect perfect example of this is do you know simon sinek 
Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Simon Sinek and his, the golden circle concept is a perfect concept of comparing old sales versus new sales, old sales, just what, how, why, sometimes the why, not really like this is what it does. And this is how it's going to help you buy my product versus, Hey, Hey client, why are you looking for this kind of, how can I serve you? This is what I think can benefit your situation. It's a lot different. And it's, and it goes, it goes the same. It goes from sales. It goes for marketing, it goes for everything. And so like when I sit down with a, with a salesperson, when I was at um, an, uh, a previous company, also within the insurance realm, they were just like, Hey, we're the, we're the best IMO out there, best insurance marketing organization out there. We're the best. We have the best comp. We have the best leads. We're the best, best, best. You want to work with us because we're the best. And it was just all about me, 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 me. This is what we do. This is who we are. And I used to try to recruit off of that and I couldn't, like it just felt, it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel right. And I never really recruited a lot of people. And I started doing it a different way. And I, I started following the golden circle and I found Simon, Simon Sinek. I started reading a lot. I read, uh, which I love the infinite game. I love start with why. Mm-hmm. And, and it also leaders eat last, but all, all three great books. But I, I started to recruit with starting with why. And so now I have meaningful conversations with people. I, I do a lot of content. I, I send people to the content so they, they, they can understand. And then by the time they come to me, they have enough of an understanding of what this is. And then I just ask them like, Hey, what are you looking for? How can, what goals do you have? How can I help? You know? And if it's, if it's a fit for us to you and you're a fit for, for us and our, and you fit our culture and you fit what we're trying to do here, I don't want to recruit every single salesperson out there. I want to recruit the right salespeople that fit our culture. That way I'm not spinning my wheels or wasting my time just recruiting the world. Anyone that breathes and can get an insurance license, like, yep, come on in. We can, we can help you sell because 90% of them fall off. Whereas now I'm, I'm hand selecting people that fit the culture. I'm giving them some guidance and I'm understanding who they are, what they're trying to accomplish. And it changed the game. And so, and it's that, that's a perfect, you know, it's, it's a, it's a perfect way to kind of, I guess, answer what you, what you're talking mm-hmm. about with your old sales mm-hmm. mentor. Um, and I changed, I actually, when I did 75 hard the first time I broke a sales record that still hasn't been broken. Um, and I did $200,000 of life insurance sales in one month. And, um, I, I mean, I worked my ass off while I'm also doing 75 hard and I was also doing podcasting. I was learning podcasting, doing it consistently every single week. And, um, I broke this record. Everyone's like, Oh my God, how did you do that? It's impossible. I could never do that. And I was like, honestly, anyone could do it. Like if you just followed the system mm-hmm. and I told people, I was like, this is what I learned from it is I, I changed my sales process. I, my, my closing ratio went through the roof. I didn't have to sit with as many people because anyone I did sit with, I almost always sold. And it's sure. because sales is it's, it's an art and a science that you have to marry together. When you, when you talk to somebody, you have to be able to tap into their why. It has to be an emotional process. Sales decision making, making in essence, is an emotional process. Period. It's controlled mm. by our by our limbic brain. So, our neocortex, our outer brain, 
controls all of our speech, our ability to handle large amounts of data, facts, figures, all that. And people think, you know, a lot of my salespeople, especially in the insurance industry, they think they come in and they're like, oh, you want an insurance policy? Well, I got this policy that does this, 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 and this. Oh, no, it's going to give you all your money back. This is perfect, right? And then the client's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't feel right. Like, oh, I got to think about it, you know? And they're wondering why. It's because, dude, you, you, you're trying to sell with what? They cannot make a decision on what? It, it, like they're limp, the neocortex has no ability to make a decision making. It does, it just cannot do it. But the limbic brain can, and that's all with their with their emotions. That's all with their why. And when you and, and so that's the that's the art of it, the why, the science is all the data. So if you can marry those two where you where you tap into someone's why and you understand it, and then you back it up with the facts and the data, you back it up with the science and you can marry those two. Now you have a super powerful salesman. You can like, you can not even know all the everything there is to know about insurance or whatever product you're selling. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, I got dude, perfect. Thanks for setting me up, bro. I appreciate it. Anytime. I got the perfect story ever. So I sold wine for fucking 18 years. My friend, who was a sommelier at the restaurant that I worked at, that was a very high-end restaurant in Austin, taught me everything. This guy ate dirt. He could eat the dirt and tell you where the wine was. Like this is how much he knew about wine. <laughs> And so he comes in, we just opened this very fancy steakhouse on the lake. And he said, Hey, there's this wine. I promise you that it will be the number one wine in America every year for the next five years, starting in the year, we should sell it. Say no more. So I start selling. I mean, we're talking about, I would yam out like six to a cases on a Tuesday night, like just crush. Like, I mean, I think I was the number one salesman in Texas. Like, I mean, I was fucking destroying it. It was yeah. uh, Orrin Swift's wine. I was destroying it, right? Prisoner, before Prisoner was Prisoner. Yeah. And he stands up, the whole team's there, the owner's there. Like, I get this fucking award and because uh, I sold so much wine. And he looks over at me and like, we lived together. So like, we knew each other real well. And he's like, hey man. He's like, everybody, if you are dedicated enough and you know everything about a wine and you know how it feels and tastes and where it came from and who the winemaker is, then you can be like Austin and you can sell the most wine in the state of Texas. And I stood up and said, I never fucking tried the wine a day in my life. <laughs> and he told me to fuck off and walked out of the room. <laughs> hey, man. I don't. I don't need all the details that you're trying to give me. I actually would prefer that you didn't Yeah. because everything sells with a story. Mm -hmm. And I used to have a million tables that would let me order the whole menu with the wine pairing for them. And they had the best time ever. And I knew that person, what type of money they could spend, like where they like to be at. Right. So I would never go over. I would never break the trust. Mm -hmm. But what I would do when I knew they were coming in is I would find something that they couldn't find somewhere else. And then I would find out the story about the winemaker and why that wine was popular. And then I would tell the story with the food. I mean, dude, I mean, works every time. It's all, it's all you gotta do. Tell. So what I would always do the way, the way I do my sales process is, um, have you ever read the book, never split the difference by Chris Voss? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Fucking yeah. love that book, bro. That's mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite book of all time. It changed mm-hmm. my sales process completely because all I do is I use empathy. I use tactical empathy by going to the client and I ask all what and how questions. Questions start with what, questions start with how. I never ask a yes or no question unless I want to know and I want them to say no so they feel comfortable. And I never ask a question that starts with why because why comes off as really accusatory, really. So if someone mm-hmm. like didn't have insurance, I would say, instead of saying, hey, why don't you have insurance? I'd say, what's prevented you from getting this before in the past? That's a lot mm-hmm. different question. And they can point to something and say, well, I haven't been able to get it because this reason, instead of being like, man, I'm a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> like it's a lot different. So then I, I basically would ask a series of questions that started with what and how to get them to open up. And the more I keep asking questions, the more they'd open up and just start talking and tell their story. And I would take all that and I would tell their story to them in my own words. Yes. Yes. And I would say, Hey, and I would like, this is like, kind of like, I'd be like, Hey, what about this? How about this? What about this? And I'm like, Hey, so thank you for sharing all this, you know? And it sounds to me, uh, well, what I want to do is just, you know, repeat everything back to you, make sure I have it correctly. Is that fine? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, Hey, it sounds to me. And I would set my pen down and I would like, cause I would write down, I'd sit there and write down everything and like, Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. And then I'd set my pen down, I'd set my paper and I'd look them in the straight in the sockets of their soul. And I'd be like, Sounds to me like um, the reason that we're sitting down is because you don't have any insurance in place. And, you know, you, you, something happened six months ago, your, your family member passed away and they didn't have any place. And that told you like, man, I need to do something because that you had to come out of pocket to help to pay for that funeral. And you thought, man, I can't do that to my kids. So I need to put something in place now so that they don't have to come out of pocket the way that I just did. And so you started looking, you've been looking for six months. You've talked to some agents. No one's been able to help you because they either show you something that's way too expensive or they don't actually understand where you're coming from because they haven't taken the time to get to know you. And so you're still looking now you want to get something sooner rather than later because you know that you're getting older and, and you health conditions can arise. That's going to make your insurance more expensive. So you want to get something that's going to be, that's going to cover your funeral, nothing more and be as cheap as possible. That's what's most important to you. Is that all about right? And they're like, yeah, that is right. And then, and it's like instant connection, instant, like, they're like, dude, you see me, you understand me. And it was like that, that, that moment of empathy where like, they're like, you completely know where I'm coming from. I could tell them anything. I could tell them the same exact policy that somebody else tried to sell them. And they're like, yes, that makes a hundred percent sense because it came from you. And it's just, I just took the time to understand them. And this, and this goes, this goes across every business sector. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like a a real estate agent having a house that's worth 500 grand, but the person's approved for 300, but yeah, you're still trying to sell them the house. It's like, what are you doing? You're wasting, you're wasting your time. You're wasting their time instead of, you know, and that is my biggest issue with the coaching business. And, and, and like, I, you know, and, and like, not every coach is meant for every client. Yeah. And like for me to just like take a big funnel and just go here, uh, like me or don't like me, I'm just going to tell you what to do. Like that's not the way it goes. Well, it, it, it's even, you're putting your name on that person as a, as yes. a coach, as a coach, because Dude, if they, that, is, if my, they become, that is my marketing walking around in the universe. Yeah, exactly. So if they don't listen, if you tell them do this and they don't do it and they don't improve, then they'll be like, man, I'm paying Austin Liddy all this money to be my coach and I haven't got any improvement. And you're like, Hey, 
motherfucker. You're not listening to anything I'm saying. (laughs) So, but it still looks bad marketing because you put your name on that so that you, I could see that from that perspective, you have to be very selective to be like, is this person going to follow the guidance that I give? Is this person actually somebody I want to attach to my name? Because it's that, that marketing, like you said, that's walking around, living, breathing, talking to people. You want them to say, yeah, dude, like this guy's improved my business by X percentage over the past three, six, 12 months or whatever, you know, ever since I've been working with him. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, we did a, um, you know, like, especially in the age that we're in, like everybody's DMing you every five freaking minutes. Like, do you want 10,000 followers? Do you want to boost this video? Do you want to think? And like, nobody's allowed to like organically grow anymore. But what I'm totally comfortable with doing is growing organically, touching one person, impacting one person at a time, shaking one hand at a time, knowing that over the long run, right? Because of the time horizon, I think this is the big difference between me and a lot of people that I see, especially people that I coach and business consult on. I'm 100% locked into my business is my legacy, meaning that if we build it over 40 years, we build it over 40 years. If we build it over 20 years and sell it, like, but it's my legacy. Yeah. And so you can't compete with me because I, it's my shit. Like, I just don't care. And so I think that what I've been doing a lot of times with my clients, and I'm sure you have to do this with your sales guys all the time, is I call it recalibrating expectations against the timeline that you've set for yourself. Okay. Like when, you, when, you, when you take a thing and you say, mm-hmm. hey, this is great, but what if you completed this and got it to where it needed to be a year and a half from now instead of four months from now? Does it affect your life one way or the other? Not really. Does it take a lot of stress off? You better believe it. Okay, great. And let's do that. You mean I can just do that like that? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you're the keeper of your own key of your own prison. Yeah. 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 No, you're I, absolutely I just, right. Yeah. No, it just, it, it's little things like that, that I don't even think that we know as a person that we have the ability to just turn it off. Cause we're always comparing to everyone else. We, instead mm-hmm. of us comparing to our own success, I don't care if I'm getting 1% better or 0.01% better, um, you know, every week or month, as long as I'm growing and I'm getting better. And I'm like you said, I, I would rather impact one life instead of trying to mass send out spam you know, to everybody and it not, and not hit, you know, it hit the same way. Um, have you ever heard of the law of diffusion of innovation? Mm-mm. So basically the law of diffusion of innovation, um, is, is, a, a bell curve of how you bring a product or a service to market. So for the first 10% of, of that, of that, uh, bell curve, now, those are like the early adopters. Those are the people that like that that you are marketing to, the people that understand your content or your product or whatever, and and they're gonna they're gonna buy it. Like those are the, those are the ones that you're mm. trying to slowly get through. Now, you want to be a purple cow in a field of cows. You want to be exceptional. You want to you want to make sure that those people are tended to. You want to make sure that they love your service because what happens is that your idea becomes like an idea virus and they become sneezers and they sneeze the content for you. They tell other people it gets past that 10% mark, which that 10% is called crossing the chasm. And when you cross that 10% mark, it goes into the mass market. 
That's how the mass market starts to hear about you is not because of your marketing. It's because of the marketing efforts of the people that you truly touch, which is that first 10%. And so the, I mean, obviously with the mass market, there's like, it's like 74% of it is mass market. Cause the last 16%, those are the laggards that are, Hey man, these people just because they just bought a Nokia phone because they can't buy a rotary phone anymore. Like it's, it's not available. Mm-hmm. So you have this law diffusion innovation and that's how marketing goes. And so a lot of people misunderstand how to market themselves. They think I'm just going to blast this to everybody and, and I'm going to, I'm going to take whatever sticks. You don't, don't build your business that way. Don't even, especially as a young entrepreneur, if you're starting your own business, you have to focus on, it's going to make your life a lot better too. You're like, you're going to be less stressed. Focus on the people that you, that is your niche market and speak directly to them and talk directly to them and put your service directly to them. They will be so impressed and focus on them. Also be a fucking subject matter expert in what you do, because they're going to be so impressed with you that they're going to tell everybody about you. You don't even have to ask. They're going to be like, dude, Greg's awesome. Dude, Austin's really fucking good with this. Like you got to talk to him. I highly recommend him. And you'll, you'll slowly start to get those people coming in. They're like, Hey man, my buddy sent me, told me to, to reach out to you. I want to see if we can step a time to talk. And you're like, yeah, sure. See if I can help. We'll see if it's a fit, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's so money. Uh, Alex Hermosi, who's basically the only guy I listen to for content. Uh, he said that, he said, if you're struggling in your business, he said, create a framework where you have one client left and do whatever you possibly can to make him happy. And that's what you should do for the rest of your business. It's like, stop like complicating, like just serve the people that are in front of you. Stop worrying about the people that aren't there. Exactly. Because if you, you end up, you end up trying to change your product or service to meet the masses. And you don't do want to do that because you're going to be too stressed out. It's, there's no product or service that's going to really tailor to everybody. Look at Apple versus Microsoft. Like, mm-hmm. look at how they have, they have a niche market. Okay. They have a people, the specific people that they're talking to and how they talk to them. Those people are diehard Apple fans. Like I'm a diehard Apple fan. I've got an iMac, oh, yeah. a MacBook Pro, an iPad. I think, an Android, I think Android people are some for some other planet. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're, they're, I hate, I hate seeing green text mark <laughs> messages. It fucking makes me mad. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm like, dude, get an iPhone. Like, and I badger them until they do it. So like, I'm doing the marketing for Apple. Like you see this every day with really big companies, the companies that do it well, like Apple. Um, and, and you can do this, you can do this in your recruiting. You can do this in your marketing for your sales. You can do this as a leader for people within your team and the way that you lead your team. And so it's just, it, it makes your life so much easier as an entrepreneur because you're not trying to please everyone. You're trying to please one group of people. A lot more simple. So money. So if people want to find out about your podcast and what you have going on, how would they do that? So um, you can go to Advantage One Brokers, which is a YouTube channel. You can hit up the Advantage One Brokers Instagram. Um, as the ADV one podcast, I'm the host. You can also check me out on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Greg Birch, 84, eight, four. Guys, B-I-R-C-H. if you got, I love it. And, and just for, cause I saw it on a, uh, somebody put it in a comment. You are how tall? I'm six, seven and two fifty. And your girl and your girlfriend is, she's five foot flat. <laughs> <laughs> she's five it. foot flat. Yeah. Five foot flat, six, seven. I yeah. love it. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. No, I just, I saw somebody razzing you. I thought it was funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah. 
Well, uh, guys, if you got some value from this episode, share it, send it to some friends, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.